This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper and the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 550 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, May 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and guess who's back from paradise? Justin Mason. What's up, man? Well, I'm glad to be back. Uh, I, I saw you were holding open tryouts. You I know, was. Bringing in Nick Pollock, bringing in Eno Saris. Uh, None but of them made the grade. No, no, it's, no. It seems like I still have a job, which I appreciate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike held it down on the, uh, on the road to write up. So uh, everything was everything was taken care of while you were out in in Hawaii. You know, you did pick a good time though, because like you didn't go right when the season started, because that would have been kind of madness. And you went right. You know, we're all kind of getting used to the season, a little bit of downtime, and now you amp it back up here in in mid May. So you, you guys had a good time though. Yeah, it was great. Except for, did you know that uh, MLB blacks out every single West Coast team? from their uh you know their streaming service how how in hawaii it's yeah absolutely maddening especially because i was there like one of the times where uh each west coast team was playing a non-west coast team oh so wow so So, you're just losing i I lost a third of the games How, how though how could it possibly black that out there like I don't understand. Like you want to grow the game. First of all, I hate the blackout rules to be. The blackout with. rule in general is just so remarkably stupid. I just cannot get behind but it on I, any I, level. I don't whatsoever. know how you blackout five five teams. The way I've understood the blackout rule is that it's so you can either watch on your local or because you're close enough to go. Mm-hmm. Like those two things. They want to encourage you, yeah, to either spend money on tickets. Or spend money on the the local service because they're paying MLB for the service. So yeah. they're trying to encourage that. But at the end of the we're like we live in a you know a day and age where some people don't like have regular cable service. Like they need to update that antiquated yeah, BS. It is makes such no trash. sense. And it was super annoying because like at one point and then you know it's a three hour time difference from the West Coast and so. You know, by the time I get up, games are already like in full effect. So, like one afternoon, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Oh man, Giants are on." Gonna turn the Giant. Oh wait, no, I'm not. Nope. Okay. No, you're uh, not. Oh look, Angels are playing the Twins. Oh wait, no. Too bad. Uh, no like, Otani Fernando oh, hey, Romero look. for you. Yeah, look, look, San Diego's. Oh, jeez, oh, really? I can't even watch San Diego. Like you know, that... and it was just, oh, uh, it was so frustrating. And so I'm sitting there, 
in Hawaii, like, all I want to do is watch a game because my wife's taking a nap, my kid is taking a nap, and, uh That's unreal. Yeah. I would be so angry. Like, I just don't, you know, there was a point, um, you know, after college, messed around with, with, with the poker stuff for, like, a year, and then was like, okay, time time to get real, get get a job, and start moving forward here, and I wasn't sure I was going to stay here in Austin. And one of the places I considered going was Vegas. And then I learned that like six teams are blacked out there. And I was like, oh, scratch really? that off the list. It's the same thing. I think it's all the West Coast, all the like California teams, Arizona and maybe Colorado as well. It's just this ridiculousness that I was like, okay, well, definitely not going there. I know Iowa gets gets the short end of the stick. They're already in Iowa. You're going to make it so they can't watch any baseball games? Yeah, that's like, – it's it's really atrocious. The in like, I, how do you feel about the Facebook games? Because those really annoy me too. That's kind of annoying too, because you know I have Facebook, sure, but like not everyone does. And with the sick reputation that Facebook has, not everyone's dying to get on there and take a look. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so I don't really like it. I, I don't. I, I, don't I love when it's like it shows me like, hey, look, you know, there, there's thirty five thousand people watching. Oh, sick pull, Facebook, thirty five thousand for a game. Not a lot. Like, <laughs> like that's at, at the game would be yeah, great. There's more people in the stadium watching this game. Yeah, that's absolutely insane. They 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 really need to fix it. It's it's bad. I know they've taken some steps to kind of figuring out, um, you know, how to how to have the local stuff. Be available I, I, to to circumvent some blackouts, but the whole thing just needs to be burned to the ground and 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 redone. Like there there is a way around this that doesn't require blackouts. There has to be. I'm sorry, there just has to be. It's such an antiquated idea, and it's absolutely absurd. But um, all right, let's talk some baseball here. I mean, we were talking baseball. Do, do we, we have just, to? We do. We okay. absolutely have to. We have like a really interesting story to start because it's not confirmed so i want to be clear that this is a rumor that's floating around that we just kind of want to discuss vlad guerrero is going to make the major leagues his dad is actually yes oh you didn't hear about this yesterday no what happened oh so vlad guerrero uh tweeted out a picture of him in jfk airport and everybody started speculating uh that he was being called up oh my god and it turns out that he tweeted a picture from like six months ago. <laughs> That's hilarious. I see the picture now. Everyone lost their mind. So this is, must have been when I was chilling. Uh, oh, no, it was actually in the afternoon. I missed it. I thought it was a, if I was oh, at oh, oh, oh. That's really funny. I just got an article that uh, the reporter that tweeted out the Robbins Cano news uh, ha- uh, is falsely tweeted it out. It's not true. Okay. Okay. Well, you guys will see it anyway. It was the it was a suggestion that uh, he's going to be suspended for steroids, and if he's now pulling it back, then we don't really need to go too much further than that. That's that's whack. Why would you tweet that out? Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm looking. Oh no no never mind. This article is from 2012. Wait, so did this guy tweet out? No, no, the, false stuff before though. Is it? Is it accusing him of? No, the, I think I think the person who just sent this to me is uh, is saying uh, or is using the article. Oh, so, is this the Deadspin thing? No, I think this is. 
I, this is just so one of my followers, you know, hit me up and said, "Hey, look, this is fake." Uh, but uh, the article that he he's just sent me is uh, from 2012. So, as far as I know, the Cano thing is still true. Well, okay, I, well, so a rumor, I, well it's still out there yes. as a potential rumor. I see I see something right now on. Uh, Deadspin from 2012. That was a previous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it was Cano probably that same okay. instance. So the bottom line here is that there is speculation that he could be suspended uh, for for PEDs, and and it may be announced today. Hector Gomez is reporting that um, on Twitter. I guess we'll kind of see what's what from there. Obviously, he just got hurt, and he's headed to the DL. And so the interesting thing is. Would he then not go on the DL? Would he just serve the suspension and then go on a DL? Or you know, what what path would they take here in in Seattle if this uh, if this turns out to be true? What do you think? Well, I mean, they've already placed him on the DL, so I think they would be. Uh, I mean, obviously, they'd be gaming the system if they if they went the the Gurry Hell route that yeah. the Astros did. Um, but I think it would be pretty obvious because he's supposed to miss, I believe, some significant time. He's got to get surgery on that finger, uh, and I want to say it's a similar kind of injury to what Madison Bumgarner uh, had. Uh, okay. So, like, he's supposed to miss, uh, like, five to eight weeks or something like that. Uh, so this is really, like, a really bad combination because if he has to first do the DL stint and then serve the suspension, we're not talking about just, like, 80 games. We're We're talking about, like this puts a large part, if not the majority of the rest of the season in question for him. Yeah, it really, it really does. This could be bad uh, for Cano. I mean, this obviously the injury is already bad. Ken Rosenthal is is confirming he's got a source as well. Just 16 seconds ago. Well, that's crazy. I mean, that's that's a this, shock. I'm, I'm this I'm makes him a... droppable. I mean, oh, absolutely. Obviously, if you've got an open DL this slot, over. you can at least throw him in there for now and see how this all shakes out. Because maybe it's one of those things where they lift him from the DL early after mm-hmm. the surgery or something like that to try to eat up some of the time. Um, but then you can't DL him anymore. So I mean, you're you're really just in a in a bad spot um either way i think you have to drop him really i think cano's cuttable here too i i I mean sit tight here well let's get let's get some confirmed info but uh it's it's looking bad it's looking bad yeah source confirms be suspended 80 games that's crazy that is that's that's nuts i did not expect to to see that now, we gotta see. You know, let's let's see what it is. But I mean, he violated the uh, the deal. Now, the one guy put steroid use, and then Rosenthal put violating baseball's joint drug agreement. Does, do you, does it matter to you, like what it is? No, I mean it's it's virtually. I mean, unless it's something that um, is uh, something really really off the wall. But I mean. You know, typically what guys test positive for isn't the steroids, it's the masking agent. Yep. Because uh, steroids doesn't necessarily always stay in your system super long, and typically you're cycling off of it. Uh, so, 
you know, I mean, it doesn't really matter what it is. You know, drugs of abuse can be a little bit of a different issue for me because mm-hmm. that tends to uh, come with a whole set of other issues sometimes, uh, as we've seen with guys like Josh Hamilton, um, you know, Matt Bush, things like that. Um, but that's not to say that steroids can't be addictive in themselves, and it's why we've seen guys test positive you know, for multiple times, some guys get banned from the league for good mm-hmm. uh, because there are there is an addictive nature. Anything that changes the way you feel or the way you feel about yourself can have an addictive nature to it. But I wouldn't necessarily go that far with an incident like this. Um, it's just unfortunate because this is uh, a massive hole for not just fantasy owners, but I mean, this takes the big part of the lineup out of Seattle. Oh, this is this so is you wonder huge what for Seattle. They're going to do. Are they going to roll with Gordon Beckham? Are they going to move D Gordon back to second base and roll with? You know, they've got a plethora of outfielders uh, that they can use. Maybe they need to roll D Gordon back to second base and and start using other guys in the outfield. That might be the the easiest solution uh, for the Mariners here. So. We'll stay tuned to that. Doesn't Jerry look good. Jerry Depoto, like you know, he loves making trades. He's gonna make does, nine trades at yeah, this point. Like, does he like, like, go out and you know, Brandon Jury was acted from the DL and then thrown into then the minor leagues. Yeah. So, like, do they go and try to get a guy like that who could fill in? It'll be interesting because, you know, they fancy themselves contenders, and you know they're right there, twenty three seventeen. They're they're doing well. They are very much in the thick of the wild card the Mariners are and losing somebody like Cano is obviously a huge deal um he had a 129 OPS plus he was he was a big part you know getting on base at almost a 40 percent clip with a 385 mark so that's tough at least that like you said though I do think with Gordon it does give them a chance to put him back at second and then explore their their depth in the outfield maybe bring Ichiro back no I'm just kidding he was terrible uh, all right. Next up is uh, this one will shock you. Listen, I don't mean to be flip about it, but unfortunately, he gets hurt all the time. AJ Pollock, out with a sprained thumb, um, has not been placed on the disabled list yet. He's going to have he, an X-ray and MRI today. Yes, and so we'll see what happens there. It doesn't seem great. This could uh, this could derail that what has been an excellent season for Pollock. I saw the play and. Uh, yeah, it looked really bad and ended up going for an inside-the-park homer. That part's irrelevant, let's be honest, but it doesn't look good here. No, what do you think about that, A.J. Pollock? That part's not irrelevant because it took away a save situation for the Brewers, which really <laughs> pissed me off. They were up 5-2. to two. Trying, to, trying to figure out if Knievel's going to get back in there? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, and I also picked up was... uh, Jeffress just in case, like, he got yeah. an extra save or something like that, and I'm going, oh, sweet, because, like, man, I had... Uh, my Tout Wars team is just like dying with injury, but I had the pitching day like for pitching days with scrubs. Like I picked up Wade LeBlanc because uh, he had a, stu- a two start week. He was fantastic. Chris Stratton got a win even though he didn't pitch well. I picked up Andrew Heaney. He had a he day. Battled against Houston. That was mm-hmm. a hell of a game. Yeah, I mean, I I got like. Uh, I don't know, like 60 points yesterday in pitching in Towers. Despite, yeah, not having anybody great there. So um, so I could have used Jeffers, but... Way uh, to go, AJ. Yeah, right? Dude, make the catch at least. 
at least make the catch. You know, it's it's interesting that this comes up, and I told you about this offline. I was at softball last night, tried to tried to lay out for a little play there on the field, and and bent my thumb back in the glove, and it really hurt. It still hurts right now, and it, it just had me thinking of like, whenever the the inclination is to kind of slough off a guy's injury as minor or something. Um, I, I become a lot more uh, open to it when I suffer an injury myself. Obviously, it's on a much, 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 much lower and completely insignificant scale. But then I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Maybe I would have discounted the idea that a thumb could really be that big of a deal. Although I probably wouldn't with a thumb. But like, I couldn't, I couldn't fully grip the bat with that hand. Like that, that crap really hurt. And you see the same, it, basically the same thing happen at a faster, more aggressive pace too. And so if he ripped something in that thumb, Pollock did, I'm not going to be surprised. I could, I'm, I'd be nervous if I had Pollock on my team right now. Well, uh, one, I think this proves that you're just as good as a major league baseball player. Cause you just Thank did the you. same I've thing. Trying to say that. Yeah. Thank you. I, I obviously, that was what you were hitting at. So I'm yes. going to, I'm going to let you have that one because it's true. Thank you. Um, you know, you're built like Chris Sale, you look like Christian Yelich, and you play like uh, uh, AJ Pollock. So I mean, Boom. you know, I play uh, like I play like injured case uh, AJ Pollock. Exactly. I play like AJ Pollock would if you take all the injuries he's ever had, put them on him at once, and then send him out to play. Well, That's and you obviously you're tougher because you kept playing, right? Because I kept playing, and I got two more hits. Just saying. Oh, oh, just. Oh. Saying well, it, when he goes on the DL, they may look you up, considering their you know. in-house options are probably uh, draw Dyson, who's been yeah. awful, yeah. and Socrates Brito, who is in the minor leagues. Still a great name, though. Yeah, yeah, still, still a great name. Um, I mean, like from a fantasy standpoint. Well, wait a minute. Let me back up real quick. Wouldn't this just bring Owings into a full-time? I mean, he hasn't been great, but wouldn't he just get a full-time yeah. role, basically? Probably Souza back. Well, Souza and Owings. Now Souza's only played ten games, so I'm going to give him some leeway. Uh, but you're looking at, though. yeah, he's been absolutely terrible with a 15 OPS plus. But you look at Owings; he's got a 57, and he has 119 plate appearances. Though he's, you know, he's played some ball. So um, does Dyson still play good defense at least? Yeah, I mean he's still okay. fast, so I mean so he they'll, can they'll make still up have some that. Ground. But man, he just cannot hit. So listen. Uh, we're we're preparing you for the worst, uh, Diamondbacks fans. Sorry, we got to do it. Does Descalso play any outfield? Because Jake Lamb's actually working his way back um, uh, in, in rehab, and I'm curious what you think about Jake Lamb in general. Not necessarily related to this, but you know he's had some hype, and then I think another fall off last year uh, without the injury excuse that he had in 2016 has some folks soured. But even if you know the makeup of the season. Okay, it's it's tough because it's really good first half, bad second half. But in Roto, you still got thirty one oh five with six steals and an eight forty four OPS um, from from Jake Lamb. Is he somebody that that you'd be actively pursuing here as he works his way back from rehab? Well, first let me just comment on like the idea. Like Descalso's played a couple games and left. But yeah. like I think they obviously they would need a center fielder, and unless they're going to move Souza over to center, which would not be a good idea. Uh, to me, it's it's probably Owings who okay. could okay. probably play center, and then or or, or, or Dyson his... who could play center theoretically. Also back to his uh, uh, super utility. Mm-hmm. 
which is, okay. you know, what he should be doing. Anyways. It's really where he belongs. I mean, he's got an 862 OPS. I, I do feel like it's so weird. The last two years in Arizona, I feel like anytime I see Daniel Descalso bat, he's doing something. And now this year it makes a little bit more sense because he has that 862 OPS. But last year he had a 727. And he, he had 10 homers and five triples. And I think I saw 12 of those 15 total hits because I had this image in my head of Descalso just having this amazing season and he actually didn't. So, um, yeah, super utility is, is where he should go. But as for Lamb, does he come in and, and instant uh, top, what, 10 third baseman? Or does, do we have to go deeper than that? I think we have to go deeper than that uh, for two reasons. One, I mean, this is like shoulder and elbow issues, yeah. which can always sap power. And, I mean, let's be honest, Jake Lamb is virtually a power-only guy. You know, yeah. so. And last year, by the way, he was 15th, so top mm-hmm. 10 is super, super aggressive. Well, it's because the, yeah, the average is just you know so brutal. You know, 248 last year, 249 the year before. Um, you know, Obviously, he gets a bump in the OBP formats because he does walk uh, you know, double-digit rates. Uh, the other issue is the humidor, and the humidor so far is kind of turning out to be true and uh, affecting Diamondbacks hitters at home, uh, you know you look Paul at Goldschmidt. yeah you look at the Paul Goldschmidt splits and we'll we'll talk about him. Uh, I believe. Oh wait, no, we're not talking about him today. All right. Well, I talked about him on Let's the Friends, Fanny, him. Friends Fantasy yeah, Br- Benefits podcast uh, with uh, we had Alex Fast from Pitcher List. Um, D-backs cast right now. Let's let's talk about Goldschmidt. He's he's struggling right now. He's got a seven eleven OPS. I don't think there's anything you can do though. There's nothing actionable no, because I'm certainly not. You don't bench guys like this, do you? No, I I don't bench guys like this. Um, And, like, there's nothing in his numbers, like, that really point to me that, like, something is seriously wrong. Like, he's he's not doing anything that atrocious other than pressing in the the comment I made yesterday. And terrible at home. Yeah, exactly. The, The splits at home are just atrocious, but this is maybe what we saw. You know, uh, or what what we you know heard about like when I talked to Derek Cardi, uh, mm-hmm. part of the season, you know earlier uh, before the start of the season, um, you know he's hitting one th- one thirty nine home right now. I mean, just oh my god, like he's just not making contact. Um, he's striking out. Uh, he's striking out too much. But the the ISO the ISO is o seventy six at home, two sixty five on the road. That's a, I mean that that's playing at. I don't know. Uh, there's not even a pitcher's park like it. We'll just say PNC in its worst conditions at home, and then Coors on the road. Yeah, and so I mean, he like, and I think part of this has to be mental. Like, he's not that oh, bad absolutely. of a player at home. Like, he's allowing this stuff to get to him. Uh, you know, I, I made the he's comment on that some level yeah, for sure. if like if he was playing without batting gloves, like we would see the whites of his knuckles every time <laughs> he was at bat. Like he just like he he is just he's just pressing, and that's going to turn around. But I don't think we can expect even when he does turn it around for it to be to the levels that we saw last year. Um, sure, you know he's because not... there there is a an effect of mm-hmm. the of the humidor. Like we are seeing that it is uh, curbing some of the offense. In Arizona, and and so you have to take the necessary uh, adjustment down. But Goldschmidt's somebody that I would be more inclined to buy over anything For else, sure. even with this issue here. You know, I think it extends to definitely. You know, he's first, second rounder, so that was an easy one. But like, 
if if you have a seventh rounder that's struggling like this, do you, do you, do you bench that guy? If there's no health, if it's just like this, a, a, a dead slump, like there's a flat-out slump, do you, do you ever bench a, a, a top pick? Again, we'll say like top eight to ten rounds. Do, do you bench those guys or do you just ride it out? I ride things out and, yeah, you know, um, that is killing me in some leagues, like in the Invitational right now. Like I'm just riding it out with guys, Dude. and I'm just dropping and dropping and dropping. You and I both at the bottom. Remember of when things. I was bragging? Yeah, yeah, no, I was right there. I was right there with you. Uh, and, now, and then somebody sent out the like what the whole FanGraphs crew is doing, and you and I uh, yeah. are like bringing up the rear in the 180s. Yeah, it's uh, not Ariel Cohen. Yeah, he's yeah. He, he's like yeah, you, you you sleeper in the bus guys are holding down the average of FanGraphs. He's like I'm I'm repping for FanGraphs, and then I'm like yeah, well then cut off mine and. Justin's like, don't show that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just show how well you're doing. Yeah. Don't worry about how poorly we're doing. Jason's doing pretty well, so that's, yeah, the, yeah. there's at least that. So Jason and Ariel and and Pod, I think, was doing all right. Mm-hmm. Just let them hold it down. I, I've got Albies, but he can't do everything by himself. Yeah, no, it's, it's Luis Castillo, dude. Just just sucking it up for me. Just never heard of her. Yeah. All right, so. let's move on. There you go, Diamondbacks. We just gave you a whole Diamondbacks pod. We are staying out west, though, and I did mention this guy. Um, oh, actually, I mentioned to you off air. Joey Lucassi to the DL with a with a hip injury. It's a glute injury, actually. They clarified. Oh, it's a glute. Yes, he thanks a it. lot. He is literally but, he's butt hurt. Why are you so butt hurt, Lucassi? Imagine being so butt hurt that you go on the DL. Hmm, unbelievable. Um, that's really funny though. It, well, that that it's that not that he went on the DL. Okay, so. You know, he's been pitching pretty well overall, right? He got off to a great start, and now he's kind of come back down to earth and been solid, if unspectacular, right? You know, he's not carrying you in anything. Pitched well last night, well enough. Uh, Let's see here. Five innings, three runs, only two strikeouts, but that was his lowest besides the debut when he only got one strikeout. Other than that, he's a pretty good bet for five to seven strikeouts. He still has 48 and 47 innings. Now, he hasn't gone more than six at all this year, and he's only gone six twice. So Joey Lucchesi is definitely kind of a five-and-dive sort of streamer. Is he somebody that you cut now that he's on the DL? Let's assume you can't just DL. It doesn't sound like it's a serious injury. So if it was a deep enough league where you were already rostering him full-time and not just streaming him, then I'd probably just hold. It sounds like this is maybe like a minimum stay type thing. Um, You know, I I think this last start is indicative of things to come, though, because, you know, this is the third time he's faced Colorado. Teams Mm -hmm. are getting another... They finally got to him a little bit. Yeah, teams are finally getting a look at these mechanics and starting to figure things out a little bit, Uh, and that would be my main concern. So... um, I still like him, and I still like the mechanics. Uh, uh, or not the mechanics, but but the, the deception that they give. Um, I think he's a high threes, low fours ERA sort of guy with yeah, some strikeouts. Exactly, and so like if that's something you're going to hold on to, um, it just in a lot of leagues, you know, like I mentioned in Tout Wars for me, uh, like people are getting murdered by injuries right now. So you know, I'm not going to keep him over anybody else that might be roster viable. Exactly. That's that's the one thing that you have to, to keep a close eye on. 
Let's talk about if you have a DL decision and 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 kind of uh, go either or here with with Lucassi, Lucassi or Trevor Cahill. Who would you rather hold on to? Uh, Cahill's coming back, isn't he? Is he already on his way back? I believe he's. I believe he's. Oh, scheduled back. to start Wednesday. Excuse yeah, me. So, that, so. That, that's an obvious one. Mm-hmm. All right. What about Strowman, who just went on the DL? I think I would uh, with that shoulder. Strowman. That's really you kind of have though. to, but it's actually a lot harder than it should be. Yes, like the fact that I'm straining on that one is uh, <laughs> crazy, in, but but accurate. Yeah, indicative of of where we're at with him at this point. This is another short one, so they could come back at the same time. Chase Anderson has like a, a food poisoning situation. I think Anderson's supposed to be back after a minimum stay, so I'm, I'll take yeah. Anderson. Okay, um, and then let's see. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think I think we're getting an idea of, of of we like him, you know. But if you have several several injured guys and you have a decision, Lucchesi is somebody that you can throw back out there. I'm not sure that he would automatically get scooped up. What about uh, Hyunjin Ryu? I don't I don't have any news on when he's coming back. What's um, his, and hang on, I, I I might have picked somebody who's super hurt. Yeah, I think he. Yeah, 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 yeah. His groin, he's out for a long All-star break, yeah. I, I would so. to him 100%. Sorry about that. All right. So, Lucchesi, we like a, a, a fair bit. Uh, you don't have to bend over backwards to keep him in a 10 or 12 if your DL spots are filling up. He's kind of the guy that, that, that goes. But keep an eye on it because if nobody picks him up and he is back in, in a, a week to 10 days, well, actually, it can only be 10, 10 to 14 days, then, boom, you can get him back, and, and we still like him to be a, a passable pitcher. Mm-hmm. Clint Frazier's on his way up, as my friend calls him, Ginger Jesus. Um, he's a big Clint Frazier fan, so he's really excited about it. But uh, Clint Frazier, obviously a big-time prospect in his day. His his prospect star has dimmed um, a little bit. What are your expectations uh, for for Clint Frazier? Do you see do you see big upside here? I mean, I I like Clint Frazier, but where where does he play? Yeah, I guess he doesn't have full time. He's basically probably gonna come up as a bench bat then, huh? Yeah, I mean, unless they're going to bench Gardner, because I mean, I don't. As far as I know, I don't think he, I don't think Frazier can play center, right? So they're not gonna bench. I mean, even if he could, Hicks. I still think Hicks is gonna get some time to to play out. Yeah, of it so a like bit. I I don't know where Clint Frazier plays. That makes him viable outside of AL only. I love the talent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he, you know, this almost feels like are, are they showcasing him or something for a trade? Because he has been a guy that's been rumored in trade discussions. He um, could be a good move for them. Yeah, uh, to, you know, like a good piece for them to trade. You're right to get whatever they but, need. I, mean, I know Greg Bird is working his way back right now. Yeah. So like when Greg you Bird Jury comes came up, back. And went back down. Yeah, so like Greg Bird comes up, like they're gonna need a spot to put Tyler Austin. They're probably gonna want to keep him on the bench. Um, you know, Neil Walker's finally hitting. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to like bench Judge or 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 Stanton. So if he can't play center, which, like I said, I don't think he can reliably do. Um, I don't see where he gets very much playing time outside of, like I said, you know, maybe Gardner. Has Gardner even improved? I know. He, I know he started off pretty mm. shaky. His um, power is like nothing. He's still walking, and getting on base at thirty-five percent clip, but he's doing really nothing else around it. 
But oh, oh, seventy one ISO, nice. Yeah, he's Gardner's done so much. That you know what? The more I look at this about Quinn Frazier, it's looking like it could just be a, a, a small stay. Yeah. Um, almost literally just for uh, for this little quick Washington series. They they face a lefty tonight, and then we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens there. I don't think he's going to take over for Hicks or Gardner on any sort of uh, long-term situation. And you don't want him up there just sitting on the bench. So this could be a quick one. I don't think I'd even mess with it in mixed leagues, to be honest, for Clint Frazier. No, I think he's an AL-only play. And even that, like if you've got to drop someone who's getting regular playing time to add him, that becomes a difficult proposition. Because, like you said, what if he goes back down after... In three days. Yeah, yeah, three days. Like you just dropped your Ben Gamble for Clint Frazier. Not nail only, and Gamble's about to get could be getting a, a lot of, boatload of time. Yeah. Speaking of the Mariners, I'm trying to influence you negatively here. Do you know who leads the league in stolen bases? It's not D Gordon. No, no, it's not D Gordon. Is it Gene Segura? It's neither of them. I, it was a total misdirect. Oh, I just wanted well, you to that, think that was Gordon. a jerky, jerky yeah, move. Yeah, it's just a piece of garbage. It was the worst segue ever. It's a segue with one wheel, and it doesn't work. We fell off the segue because it's Ender Inciarte. Oh, well, I should have known that since I'm looking at the notes. Correct. I thought you might. I thought you might just look at that. But uh, no, I think most people would pick D Gordon or Trey Turner. That was kind of the point I was trying to make. Clumsily enough, it's Ender Inciarte with 17 stolen bases and i think what's most surprising about that is the the poor start that he got off to he wasn't doing anything for anything with the bat none of it it just it wasn't going well for ender and cr tape and then i guess he was just like you know what i'm just gonna run wild i guess (laughs) because that that's exactly what he's done and he's got several uh multi-steel games I I'm loving this. Like the speed is absolutely there. He has he's five away, excuse me, six away from setting a new career high. He had twenty two last year was it was a career high for Ender Inciarte. And he's missed you know, he doesn't play full seasons every year. Last year was a, a career high uh seven hundred and eighteen plate appearances. Before that he uh, his high was five seventy eight. But even still, you would have, you know, this is surprising that he has 17 compared to what he's done. And it just shows the nature, the volatile nature of steals and and how much of uh, desire that they are. And, and, and the guys with premium speed can kind of run at will if they want. And I don't know if it's because he got off to a slow start with the bat that he just thought, you know what, anytime I get on, I'm going to try to steal. Because you look at it for Inciarte, and through the first 15 games, he was hitting like 190, and he already had five stolen bases. And he was just absolutely running wild. And now he's starting to hit more, um, and he's still running. He has 12 stolen bases over his last 24 games, but with a 294 average as well. Is Ender Inciarte a top... 25 outfielder now no i uh, and i don't think it's particularly close actually like like you mentioned like he's starting to hit now he's actually sucking <laughs> in terms of his his triple slash in uh in the month of may so far 235 304 471 well he must have closed with a flurry there at uh yeah. the end of april and then I, to, to i think he hit a hot streak average. um 
I don't know how they'll continue to bat him towards the top of the lineup. Uh, I think he does bat lower with some regularity, though. I I, I think they have said, you know what, Uh, we're going to have you we're going to have you lower in the lineup right now. And maybe that's helping him run where he's just kind of like, hey, you're down there. You get on. Do your thing. In fact, he hasn't batted higher than five over his last, let's see, 12 games here, 14 games. Yeah. He looks like he's batting a lot of seven, five, six, seven here. And oh, five just once, by the way. It's mostly six, seven. And then the open the month, it was a lot of nine. He was batting a bunch of first. And then Albies and, and Acuna have been like, nah, dude, we got this. So Enciarte isn't really batting that high in the lineup uh, anymore. And I, I wonder if it's if it's helping him. Because, you know, if, if you cut the sample in half now for, for May – his last six games, he is hitting again. So he's kind of been ebbing and flowing with the with the batting average. Uh, he's nine for his last 25 with four stolen bases. I don't know. I think he is a top 25 outfielder, if only because last year, without 52 billion stolen bases, he was a top 15 guy. Now, that was a bit of do everything, including some some new power, 11 homers. And hitting 300. I mean, hitting yeah. 300 really helps. But I bet, I bet he's up to 290 by the end of the year, at least. If not three, yeah, I, I think I, you're a little, little bullish. Uh, I trust, I trust this. I, I, I think he's a really good hitter. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely bullish. And you know, the tough part is, I don't know how actionable it is to go out and buy because you see the 17 stolen bases. It's going to be a major cost. So, but if you need speed, don't go out and buy Billy Hamilton. He's the worst hitter in the world. Yeah, he did steal three bases. And <laughs> oh, I know, I know. <laughs> You know what? Never I, I never care what he does because I just don't want him on any team, and I'm just like, fine. I he's, know he's killing me in a couple leagues, and it's uh, it's been brutal. But I mean, he's one of those guys you're gonna you're gonna look at at the stat line at the end of the year and you go, well, he got me 50 stolen bases, so yep. whatever. Like it's he's just gonna get the steals, like you know, or 60 stolen bases or whatever, and uh, it, I'm not gonna worry about it too much, you know. If you if you draft a guy like Billy Hamilton, you're you're making up for the OBP or, or average deficiency somewhere else, uh, and obviously the power deficiency somewhere else. So uh, you just gotta kind of take the lumps, um, you know, because the stolen bases are gonna be worth it. But uh, oh, I don't know. I just yeah, I'm not. I, I'm not. I, I know the Braves are running, but he he accounts for over half of the Braves stolen bases, so that's a little bit skewed. Uh, they are second in the major leagues in stolen hey, bases so far. Albies um, can't steal when when you're just yeah, jogging around. Yeah, the bases. when you're jogging around the bases, it's really Sorry. hard to steal. So, uh, I mean, wow. Like I, I I know I pushed back on you towards the end of draft season on Albies because the 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 hype was getting out of control. But man, is it been worth it, it so far but was it out of control yeah no it no it was out of control like it, but he's out of control like he's he, like, out of control he has absolutely been phenomenal and this power is just uh obscene like the fact that he's hitting for this kind of power this early in his career uh is really insane uh so it's yeah it's it's been great for the teams i've got albies on you know those teams i drafted early on in draft season and got him you know, outside the top hundred, I'm I'm just loving it. By the way, uh, further news on the Cano situation: his time on the DL will count. Whoa, okay. According to Ken Rosenthal. 
Well, that, that answers the question of why they would have put him on the DL or whether they activate him. So, I mean, that makes him a lot easier to keep, obviously. Yep, you can just sit it out and see what's what, maybe get a boost at the end of the because year. He really they have state. no reason to just not activate him from the DL. I mean, they can mm-hmm. just put him on the 60-day DL. It, you know, frees up a spot on the 40-man. Um, and they can't, it's like, you know, I mean, obviously they lose the bat in the lineup and lose him in the dugout and stuff like that. But, I mean, it doesn't hurt them very much. Um, that's really interesting. I didn't know, you know, the the the, the minutia, minutia of rules. Well, like, uh, sometimes and you I brought up the get. thing about Guriel, which, you know, I, I recalled where they had to kind of finagle that. And so, yeah, I didn't think that he could serve it. I remember there was some situation where some guys had served stuff on the DL, but then I thought they were trying to close that loophole, so I don't know. But uh, from Cano, he released a a statement saying, recently I learned that I tested positive for a substance called ferrosamide, which is not a performance-enhancing substance. That's for liver. Is used Uh, to treat various medical conditions. Yeah, it's often used to treat liver failure. Interesting. Um, and I've never uh, – it's its a medication I'm very familiar with in, in my work as a drug and alcohol counselor um, because uh, a lot of my clients take it for liver failure. Um, so uh, I've never heard it as I, – I, I wonder why it would be considered a performance-enhancing drug. It Does it work as a masking agent like you said? Maybe you I wonder it. if it clears out your system quicker. Yeah, maybe that, something that, like that. Interesting. He said he was prescribed it though by a doctor, and said he didn't, you know, uh, at, at, in the Dominican Republic to treat a medical ailment. While I didn't realize at the time I was given a medication that was banned, I obviously now wish that I had been more careful. So, you know, I don't know. I wonder right? if this goes back to the stomach saying, issues that he had that's a few years exactly ago. What I thought. That's precisely what I thought. Hmm. I, I'm I not know. a pharmacist. I'm not a. I'm not a doctor. I. I like I said. I. I know about this. Uh, I work as you know professionally as a an addiction specialist and drug and alcohol counselor, and so I'm familiar with the medication. I've just never heard of it as uh, something that could be used necessary or would be used by steroids users. So it's actually really interesting. I'll do a little bit more research and see what I can come up with. Okay. Um. Yeah, this is interesting, and obviously, like that looks sensical to be like, oh, you know, that sucks, but you got to be responsible for what's going in your body, and um, you know, I'm not, I'm not just gonna automatically turn and be like, oh, you know, he's 100% fine, everything's all right. I'm just gonna say, there's some, this looks reasonable. I'll, I'll wait for more info though, because I just, I really don't know. All right, let's move on to to our next guy here, and talk about another uh, stolen base guy. And the nature of stolen bases uh, is highlighted by what Whit Merrifield has done because he doubled his stolen base total for the season in a five-game span. And, you know, it still gets to the point of saying somebody has a a slow start and then they, they, they get going for a little bit and all of a sudden that slow start is right back where he was supposed to be. If you look on May 4th, after an 0 for 3, uh, Merrifield was 244, 315, 362 with, uh, let's see how many stolen bases he had there, with four stolen bases. So on pace for, for 21. 
just since that time, and it's been more than five games now, I wrote that up uh, a couple days ago, uh, 467, 529, 700 with five stolen bases. And so, again, in eight games, he completely changed his triple slash and doubled more than doubled his uh, his stolen base production and he's completely in line with everything he did last year which means obviously at this point in the season we're still at the point where a hot streak can completely flip your line to where you know if a guy's not if a guy doesn't have major problem areas in his profile you should probably not be freaking out especially when you're talking about a top 10 round pick and i'm sure folks were scared about merrifield saying oh man maybe i had this one wrong this guy was a breakout that and he sucks well five uh five multi-hit games and and three one-hit games in in uh in the other three there an eight game hitting streak has him completely flipped around where are you on Whit merrifield now that he's right back on track with last year i think i'm kind of uh where was start of the season or before the start of the season which was uh i believe the speed i don't believe the power yeah so uh you know some pace for 17 again though 17 homers yeah i don't know how i mean the iso's down uh and pace paces are still dangerous too to the same like point of how ball pretty hard wow that's that's what sold me that is exactly what sold me and i, I didn't I, realize how hard he's in the ball I dove into second base in an article sometime in, in March uh, during draft season, and you gave him a closer look because I was kind of not necessarily aggressively out on Merrifield, just not really concerning myself with him because I was focused on the Albies. Mm-hmm. He wasn't willing to pay the price or. considering the depth. Exactly. Exactly. So I was, and so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give a, a full look to him, and I came away impressed saying okay there's a lot of viability here and that was before what you're talking about where he's hitting the ball a lot harder this year his hard contact rates up from 31 percent to 44 percent so far you know what's and even so, more impressive is the approach change he's getting walks yeah doubling double walk rate right now yeah i mean he, he's up to uh almost 11 percent in the month of may um he's swing uh less outside the zone uh, he's being more selective. Uh, that, to me, is um, almost as big for me in terms of what he could do in the stolen base department um, as the fact that he's actually starting to hit a little bit. Uh, I mean, yep. because one of the drawbacks to him last year was because he wasn't walking, walked less than 5% of the time, you know, when he wasn't hitting, he... he you know, when he was struggling or scuffling, you know, you were getting nothing from him. Well, and that's what people looked at with Merrifield saying, well, if this 288 doesn't hold and I have a 320 OBP mm-hmm. already, and what if the average comes down to, say, 265? And you're looking at a guy with a sub 300, you know. Bingo. OBP. But now he's at 287, 356, and you got to feel good. So, you know, I think he's a really solid contributor. Whit Merrifield. Right back on track uh, there in the midst of this hot streak. He might stay hot for a little while. Then I think he kind of evens out, and he's just solid, uh, a solid steady Eddie in your lineup that that you just kind of forget. Uh, where would you think that after this hot streak, where do you think he's ranked among uh, second baseman in the player Raider? In the player Raider, he's probably yeah. seventh. Hey, you almost nailed it, sixth. Mm-hmm. There you go. Stolen bases uh, mean a lot. Exactly, and and getting the batting average back up. Who would you rather have rest of the way, Whit Merrifield or Ender Inciarte? Oh, that's a good one. 
I'm going to take Ender, and it's actually going to be the soft factors around them, meaning the lineup. Yeah, I something think that's, that's a little bit out of their control there. I would take, uh, but I like both. Honestly, I w- I would actually go out and buy on both in the right scenario. I desperately need speed. I know I'd be paying a premium on either, especially because they're in hot streaks. But that doesn't necessarily mean that I I I, I wouldn't do it. it. It's something like I said with NCRT. I think the price is going to be a lot higher right now. But I'd at least inquire and say, hey, what's what's going on here, and uh, and see what somebody wants. But uh, yeah, when, I think when both- guys I think are trying to sell players like Whit Merrifield coming off of a hot streak or during a hot streak, it's because they feel like they need to get from under them. And so sometimes they're in their mind they're selling high, but maybe they're not selling as high as they should be. That's a great point. So that, that's why you have to inquire just to see. Their high might be not as high as you think. I think somebody might be going crazy for NCRT. They come at me with a reasonable offer. I'm like, whoa, I thought you were going to be asking for the moon, and instead you're just asking for a really solid arm here. You know, Let's, uh, let's try to throw out some names here. Let's look at some pictures. Would you trade? Oh, well, okay. So we're going to say we value NCRT a little bit higher, um, but probably wouldn't be too different on on the on the pair. Would you trade Arietta for NCRT? Mm, that's really close, actually. And, and and of course, we're assuming needs needs yeah, match. If it, You're not giving away a great picture. You know, and I'm always need. one of those people that say like, win the league, don't win your trade, like. All the time, yes. like I, I can't tell you how many questions I got in my chat this morning. But well, did I win this trade? All well, the time. Who cares if you win the league? Isn't that more important? I think yep. sometimes we get bogged down in like, oh, is this a good trade or not? I don't care. Yeah, like, do I value Arietta higher maybe than Inciarte? Probably. But like, if I need stolen bases and I'm stacked at pitching, yeah, then I'm doing that deal. Yeah, see, I, I'm 100% with you, and it it honestly drives me nuts when um, when, pe- when people do it, and I, I try to push back and say, stop framing it that way. First off, if you're trying to rip people off, uh, don't it, do that. It's one of the, like, the drawbacks. I mean, I'm sure you were as big a fan of the show as I was, but, I mean, we all watch the league. Um, mm-hmm. And we saw the uh, we saw like the trades that went on in that league and like how people were mocked and like we 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 mock people all the time, especially in like fantasy football uh, industry. Like when people make bad trades or do stupid things and things like that, it's it's the beauty of head to head formats is you get to kind of you know mock and uh, talk trash to your to your opponents a little bit more than we do necessarily in roto, unless you're me. Um, so, uh, but the, the downside of that is people are afraid to quote unquote lose a trade and the ultimate goal is to win a league. It's like a poker tournament as opposed to like a cash game in poker In a cash game poker. You want to win the hands in the, in a, in a tournament poker, you want to win the tournament. Like you don't care how it happens. Just win the tournament. Um, and for me, like I, I want to win the league. I want to win a championship. I don't care if I'm going to lose this individual trade. No, I completely agree. And that's why you just put up a trade and say, did I win this? What's the context? Do you need the stats that you're getting from so-and-so? And if so, you can and you can trade the guys that you're giving. Like Again, I fully agree with this. Stop trying to, quote-unquote, win the deal. Improve your team. If it improves your team, you won. That's it. And, and and especially as we get later into the seasons, when the when the standings stratify, trades are going to look coming up. Yes, exactly. And trades are going to look stupid in a vacuum. To where if you told somebody that you did that, they're going to say you're insane. You go, well, 
I this actually is why vetoes suck, people. Exactly. Exactly. This is why vetoes suck because people don't judge by context and they vote with their heart. They're mad that they didn't get the the player. Um, you know, the vetoes are the dumbest thing in fantasy sports. They are the dumbest thing. And frankly, if you think they're a good idea, you're an idiot. Okay, listen to me. You're a dumb human if you think vetoes are a good idea. They are the most flawed. Vetoes should be reversed. They should be reserved for collusion, That's and and you have to kick reason. the people out right away. Yes. if you're gonna if you're gonna kick somebody out, or veto on collusion, you kick them out immediately. But immediately, I mean, yeah. But yeah, you're I not mean, vetoing ve- trades and then keeping people in the league. The, the the two things don't go hand in hand. Otherwise, the folks paid in their money. You let them do with what what they yes. want with their damn team. Thank you. You don't protect people from moves. I I I hate vetoes, and I've found. As a, as a rule, and I'm, I'm sure some of you are, are nice folks if you like vetoes, but the interactions that I've had with people that like vetoes, I don't like those people. They are they're the people that are always trying to rip people off in trades, and when they see somebody else got over on a trade, they're the ones that want to veto. They're, vetoers are the worst people in the world. And mostly they're just jealous that they, they didn't get that exactly. deal. Exactly. And that nobody votes with anything but their own self-interest. That being said, I will veto any trade in my league that doesn't involve me. <laughs> <laughs> I will veto any trade that if anyone tries to trade Mike Trout for Odubel Herrera, I will veto the guy getting Herrera because I don't that's, know. Odubel that's Herrera not fair. is pretty hot. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. You have to give more. If you're just giving that fish guy, that's not enough. That's a segue, folks. We are talking about Odubel. That dude is out of his mind. And I used to love Odubel. I fell out of fantasy love with him. I just thought he was so bland. And, and and not in terms of his play style. I love that he bat flips everything. It's funny to me. But last year he had 14 homers, 8 stolen bases, 281 average. It was 138 games. Even if you extrapolate, you're talking like 16, 10, 280, right? Bland AF. And I, I tell you, Justin, he was not on my radar at all. I, I never considered him. I would just always he's, gloss him over for Christian somebody. He's Christian Yelich light. Like I like like people, which is not a huge endorsement. No, but like he does a little bit of everything. Like yep. in like unlike Christian Yelich, nobody's projecting him to be a first rounder. Uh, silly enough, and um, <laughs> sorry, Vlad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, and he costs nothing. Like he's like the perfect roster filler kind of dude. Like. You know, hey, you've built a balanced roster and you just need counting stats the rest of the way. Hey, look, Odubel Herrera is still there. I figured out why I never got him either. I'm looking at the names that went around him, and the first one I saw was Aaron Hicks. So that's game over for Paul. Paul's taking Aaron Hicks every time and referring to himself in the third person like a giant douche every time I'm taking Hicks there. But here's some of the other guys. It was Abisayel Garcia, Souza, Herrera, Hanniger, Thames, Taylor, uh, Michael Taylor, Hicks, and Corey Dickerson. That Hanniger guy's working out pretty well. Oh, Hanniger's been awesome. But I was taking Thames, Taylor, Hicks, and Dickerson. Um, I, I was aggressively getting all four of those guys in different scenarios. So I just never got Herrera. Let me give you some numbers on what he's doing. NL high, 360 average. Uh, great 430 OBP. His walks are back. 561 uh, slug. So you love the, the 300, 400, 500, especially when it's above all three of those thresholds six homers 23 runs 24 ribbies uh only two for four on the bases i still you know i don't know that we're going to get the great speed that we saw back in 16 when he had 25 bags uh it seems like 
low double digits might be kind of the peak there if he plays a full season. But you can't deny the average. And that OBP is really nice because Philly's pretty decent. So he's got 23 runs. Um, how much higher are you valuing Odubel 38 games into this? Uh, and by the way, having gotten on base in every single game and a few extras dating back to last year, if I, if I recall correctly, he's on like a 42-game streak. So where are you valuing Odubel right now? I mean, not that much higher than I probably would have last year. Uh, above all those guys that, that were drafted around, except maybe Hanniger? Is Hanniger above him, though? Or are they, oh, are they moving together sure. in unison? I think Hanniger for sure is above him. Okay. Well, um, the player raider disagrees. Well, the player raider can... Never mind. In, <laughs> no, no. In fairness, though, like, or not, you know, just to kind of be clear on it, Hanniger's been more of... Doing well everywhere, whereas the 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 batting average points that Odu and that's gonna really crash. I mean, he's got a four hundred BABIP right now. It's got to come down. Um, what I love is that he's walking again. Yes, which is something he you know he's walking almost twice what he did last year. He's not Completely striking. We lost now. it last year. Um, the approach has gone back to kind of what we saw in two thousand and fifteen. No, two thousand sixteen. Sixteen. Um, where he walked almost 10% of the time. Uh, he's he's swinging less outside of the zone. He's making uh, contact, and he's making good contact uh, in the zone, uh, especially um, for uh, a swing strike rate down. Um, so, like, I, I, love, I love what he is doing. It, it can't be this good. Um, and he's not, like, a huge power source. How good so. can it be for Odubel? Uh, because he has increased the power every year. 121, 134, 171, 201 are the ISO marks. So slowly ticking up. Getting up to 200 is pretty nice. Uh, you mentioned the BABIP's really high at 400. It will come down, but it's not going to going to sink. He's a career no, I, 363. I think he, he could hit... I, I His career line looks right to me. Like 294, 294. 351... 441 maybe gets mm-hmm. another 10 to 12 home runs steals another five to eight packs that's not bad like that's and a again, pretty at the, good line at the top of that lineup uh getting on base all the time should be scoring sh- scoring runs regularly for Adubel herrera so i mean he's a good find he doesn't do any knucklehead stuff well, he does bat flip like every single time he does something, so that's a Which little knucklehead. Awesome. I love that. I love it personally. I am I am here for it like all day long. Bat flip when you like fly out like on a routine fly ball. Like it's just funny. just do I it. Like, like and just be consistent, right? And as long as he's consistent, and he's batting third in that order. Um, so yeah, he's he's been fantastic. Uh, of that group that he was drafted around, I think I would take Hanniger. Uh, ahead, but all the rest, uh, uh, Odubel has has long gone past him. There was another guy drafted just after Dickerson in that group, Michael Brantley. What about Michael Brantley versus Odubel Herrera? Because Brantley, I know the health is a concern, but his skills are fantastic, and he is he's he's been great. Three thirty one, three sixty two, five fifty four with five homers for Michael Brantley. Well, I didn't realize that? I didn't realize how well he was doing. Oh, he's, he's been on one, man. Uh, I'm gonna take. Uh, Odubel because I don't I don't buy that Brantley can play a full season. That's completely fair. I mean, the the health has been such such a problem that I, I can't really push back on that. I actually think I would take Brantley though because I think Look his at skills that strikeout are rate. He doesn't. 
He doesn't. <laughs> what, what's striking out? He's allergic. Seven point seven percent strikeout yeah. rate. That's it's like ten strikeouts in one hundred and thirty. Uh, actually, one hundred and thirty exactly. I'm on his page now, and so you know he's been he's been great. I understand the health concern, the the health risk that I'm taking here, but I think his batting average is is more believable. Whereas I think Odubel probably coming down to the upper two hundreds, two nineties, something like that. I think. Uh, Brantley can stay, maybe not at three thirty one exactly, but you know I think three I mean, three ten plus. I love Brantley's underlying numbers too. Like I mean, he's got a ninety seven percent zone contact rate. Oh my god, Please. he's he's just so good. Can we turn off injuries? Can we just get another one fifty out of him? I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah, I just so don't. Good. I just don't believe it. Like I mean, yeah, you know, terrifying. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. I don't because I don't have him anywhere. Uh, <laughs> like, so whatever. Like, go ahead and, you know, hurt yourself tying your shoes. But, um, uh, like, I, dude, dude has had some just bad luck with injuries, too. It's not like he's, like, done stupid stuff or, like, no. you know, run into walls or anything. It's just uh, just been a little bit unlucky. Um, he's not walking at all, but I guess you don't need to walk when you're never striking out. Just always getting base hits and 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 taking care of it that way i i yeah i i like brantley i again i understand the risk with the health i would have him a little bit over odubel but the bottom line is odubel is performing really well and so is michael brantley and you might not have been paying attention either i had if they no idea brantley team. was yeah was doing this well let's run let's sprint to the other end of the spectrum right now and honestly this guy was never being brought up in the negative context for a good while dd gregorius Oh, for his last 25. I don't know if they played yesterday. Let me see. Um, no, they didn't. So he's, um, th- again, this was written b- a day before, or a couple days before. So now he's now one for his last 35. Um, oh. he, he had been oh for 25. Now he's one for his last 10. But the bottom line is, however you want to slice it, it's been god-awful. Now this... Everyone knew he was going to smooth out and have some have some come down for Didi Gregorius. Nobody would have thought that it was going to just be an eight game eight games of nothingness. And now he's all the way back down to two sixty three forty nine five forty eight. That goes back to my point earlier that I said with Merrifield about how we're still in the stage of the season where um, an eight to ten game streak can completely change your bottom line because now. It's still above last year, but it's not so far above last year that Didi Gregorius is the best player in the universe. You know, it's it, and the strikeout uh, strikeout to walk is basically one to one now, which is still amazing, by the way. But he had like substantially more walks than strikeouts for a while, so you know he's probably going to smooth back out. I guess the baseline question here is. Where do you think he lands? Like, what what does the rest of the season look like for Didi uh, for a bottom line? Does this still end up being a breakout season, or do we, or, or is he, did he Eric Thames April and he just kind of is steady the rest of the way? I don't think he Eric Thames did. I mean, he did in a way because like he was just like he's come all the way back down already. Yeah, I mean, people were throwing the ball over his head and he's hitting a home run. <laughs> like, like you know the. Yeah, they you know people were telling him to go long, and he's still hitting it out of the park. And uh, it was insane. It's still a really good lineup. It's still a really good park for him. Um, I, you know, believe in I believe in the skills. 
uh, that are there. I, you know, he's pressing a lot, and he's he's trying to hit his way out of a slump. Um, it's tough to do because you you try to get off. You know, you try to get six hits in every single at bat, and DD, you mm-hmm. can't do that. Yeah, and I mean that's it, it, it's pretty obvious. Like what's going what's going wrong here is like he he's swinging outside of the zone thirty five percent of the time. Um, you know, guys are you know attacking him a little bit differently. He hasn't adjusted yet. I think he's going to be just fine. Um, I'm not worried about it. I mean, the Babip's low. I think he's getting a little bit unlucky when he does put the ball in play, but uh, he's still making you know decent contact even in this slump. So it's not like it's not like he's not putting the ball you know the ball in play. It's just you know, things aren't going his way right now. He's got like a less than oh, I think he's like oh three nine uh, Babbitt right now. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like, that's insane. Like, it's you know, it's it's ridiculous. So, like, on top of like he's pressing and trying to swing his way out of things, things are just not going his way. Uh, if like there's someone who's freaking out on DD Gregorius, I'm totally buying. I still so think that's... he's a top seven or eight shortstop. That's... Yeah, that's what I was going to bring up next, right? And we know that the bulk of this listenership does not play with a bunch of idiots that are just going to give them away and say, here's DD, he sucks now, because obviously April still sits in your brain as like, hey, that was awesome. So you're not going to be getting him for nothing. But let's try to identify you know, what, what we would realistically go out there and pay in the DD market, and we'll start with some... I'll do I'll do some pitchers and some outfielders again. We don't do the position for position because that never really happens. Um, would you give Would you give James Paxton, Dallas Keuchel? Um, you probably you you would. Would you give? Okay, here's one. I'm not just gonna do a one for one. Would you give Rick Porcello and? Your your decent <laughs> shortstop. Let's say you have a top fifteen ish sort of guy for Didi and I don't know, like a John Gray sort of deal. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Because uh, Rick sucks. Yeah, he's a Cy Young thief, and now he's gonna go out here and pretend like he's good at baseball. This is absolutely ridiculous. Would you trade Kris Davis for Didi? You got no. power surplus, and you need a shortstop. Mm. No, I don't think I would. Would you trade Andrew Benintendi? No. Well, no. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I was cool on Benintendi this year. I thought it was a little bit overpriced. Too, but still, but I actually, I actually, I, I don't have factors to back it i don't have numbers for you on this one i just see a hot summer like i i, I don't know i think he's going to explode soon ben Intendi, and have still, his he's already got, st- got seven, stolen, seven bases. stolen bases he's a lot faster than people realize he can steal 25 and if if the you know he's not hitting as his, much as he'd probably like speed so score is higher than Inciarte's. he's really fast and I, I i think it's underrated how fast he is here's one would you trade Cody Bellinger for DD. Ooh. That's interesting because I like 
and I, you know, I mean, I, you know, I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit and, you know, I try not to do this too much because I think it's over, overdone, but man, I, I was a low man on Cody Bellinger for, uh, compared to a lot of people. The playoffs uh, scared me. I'm yeah. not going to lie. And I, I know that I, you don't want to go too far on, on a playoff positive or negative, uh, cause that can lead to a lot of bad decisions, but it showed how to beat him. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it at least gave the blueprint and the, there's a and hole in I, a swing there. There's a hole. And I think, you know, teams are seeing it and he's not been bad by any stretch. He's been fine. 273, 27, 461 with five homers so far and uh, three triples, actually. You know, he's been fine. He's not, you know, if your team's doing poorly, you can't put it at the feet of Cody Bellinger, he's even though he hasn't in been. May, though. He's been as good in May. He's been 244, 300. Uh, with oh a, yeah, he was actually pretty decent uh, 30, through April, and now thirty percent strikeout rate um, in the month of May so far. Uh, I don't. He's got two home runs, so I mean, there's you know a little bit of power, and it's still obviously early, but six multi K games in his last eight. Yeah, he's already struck out fifteen times this month. Woof. So that one is something that I I, I would look at, and I I think you could. I could see a scenario where I do that. I know the draft day cost. I paid and see, more that's the hard part that for me is like Gregorius. I feel like you should be able to get more, considering both guys are struggling. Yeah, they can be the principal pieces, and you add a little bit to it to kind of compensate. Yeah, maybe for like the, you get the, draft the better, or you get, you know, if you're selling Bellinger, you get the better pitcher back with Didi. Yeah, better pitcher, or maybe there's like a catcher upgrade that can be done where you get like JT Real Muto and you throw back Wellington Castillo or something. Would that gap be enough? I think so. Something like that. that sounds about right. Some, something in that realm. Uh, yeah, I, I think there is something to be done where, you know, the, I think the bottom line here is that we're saying that we're not a f- running from Didi. Yes. We're definitely open to saying, "Hey, no, we'll I, come is, by here." Yeah, if if like I said, if someone's looking to sell, um, I, I'm 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 buying. I don't know that anybody's necessarily looking to sell quite yet, but um, he, he's one of those guys that I don't think people just took out of happenstance with Gregorius. A lot of people that take Gregorius really like him. But this is so, also like why I think I mentioned this on my on the the Friends Fantasy Benefits podcast last night. Um, like this is why like. April is like the worst time to be a fantasy analyst. Oh yeah, because like it's so easy to overreact to things. Mm-hmm. You know how many people were freaking out over Jose Ramirez and Joey Votto. Um, well, I, last year I freaked out over Thames. I was yeah. so so in on that, and and I, you know, you're right. It is difficult because all you want to say is relax, 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 and then people want more than that, and you don't just want to write a bunch of articles saying relax. Mm-hmm. You want to look for things that are different, but you have to balance it. It's difficult because, you know, y- y- you listen around the industry and you can hear somebody take a win on somebody in April and they've come back around in May and already taken the loss again. Maybe just stop trying to take wins and losses mm-hmm. 10 games into the season. Yeah, where's Dansby Swanson right. now? Yeah. Yeah, where's Dansby Swanson now? And if anyone really thought that was legitimate, like, Come on, I think that was come on, you're crazy. But you know, even for as, as great as Albies has been, I'm super excited about it. 
I don't think I've used the, the phrase I told you so, though, because that tweet will just get saved. Mm-hmm. And then if he has a terrible summer yeah. and ends up being cold like solid out there, the cold, I'm getting cold taked to hell. So there's no way. I'm just like, you know what? It's going well. I'm excited. But I'm trying not to be the guy who just says, ah, I win. I got y'all. Here's a question for you. And since you brought up Albies, um, somebody in my chat asked me if I'm going to sell Albies right now. How high do you shoot for? Top three rounds. See, I, and I told him I think I'd go higher. Like to me, like like I want a first or a second round pick. Like, yeah, I mean, like for absolutely me, like, start up there. Okay, here's one. We talked about this guy. Would you trade Albies for Goldschmidt? I was just about to ask you that question. I don't know that I would. I don't think I would. And I know that sounds insane, but also keep in mind that I came in thinking that he could be a Mookie Betts, and Mookie Betts and Paul Goldschmidt went and, – and Mookie Betts previously. Would not you trade Albies for Kershaw? I definitely wouldn't because I'm not trading for an injured guy. No chance. Yeah. No chance. If I needed the pitching, I'd really think hard about it. Like once he's back. Like not – obviously yeah. I'm not going to – I'm going to wait until he's – but. What about Alpes for Garrett Cole if you need that pitching? I think I'd do that. I can see a scenario. Even with uh, all the pine tar, obviously, Garrett Cole is easy. Oh, yeah. Tyler Bauer is not having any of that business. All right, let's move on to some pitchers. Let's talk about a couple guys real quick. Uh, Nick and I talked about this guy, but I'm very curious on your thoughts on Freddie Peralta. Willie Peralta's son already make it. No, I made that stupid joke on the other podcast. Freddie Peralta, no relation to Willie uh, goes and beasts out in Coors like crazy. Fans 13 on basically a fastball. Now, it is a multifaceted fastball. Mm-hmm. So, it's uh, a changing grip. Yes, let's be let's be clear about that. Um, and I kind of gave him a a Joey Lucchesi value profile. There are a lot of differences between them. First off, righty versus lefty, age, um, size, but they live off of deception and one plus pitch that they manipulate into like two or three different looks and so that's where i kind of got that and i feel like peralta can be similar to uh the same value profile i've been giving lucchesi which is a high threes low fours with some strikeouts i'm curious of your thoughts on on freddie peralta you follow prospects uh closer than i do although i am making a full-on effort to change that just i'm always the one saying i don't i don't know all the prospects i'm doing a lot of studying this year y'all so if you hear me start talking about prospects a little bit more know that 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 is the fruits of my labor of, uh, of of doing more. I'm even going to get MILB, I think, and and start doing more there. Anyway, unimportant. Freddie Peralta, go. Uh, MLB, that the, man, the camera angles are so bad. I know <laughs> they're, they're so, so they're so bummed. <laughs> totally not worth it. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, I I think there's some differences for me in in Peralta versus Lucchese. Uh Lucchese has better control. Okay. Um, while I like Lucchese's, uh, delivery cause it, uh, it hides things. I'm not a big fan of Peralta's cross the body, uh, delivery in motion. I think it's going to lead to walk issues and he's had walk issues all throughout kind of his meteoric rise through the Brewers uh, system. Yes. And if you haven't seen Peralta pitch, if you didn't get to see anything from Sunday, 
you see quickly when, once you once you get eyes on Peralta why the walk issues are there with the with the delivery and, and the, the 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 deception that makes his 91 mile per hour fastball play up is that he gets I think seven or eight feet of extension mm-hmm. which is compared to Lincecum and D- D- David Robertson two of and the best Lincecum, extension guys. Lincecum is like a really interesting comp in terms of like how weird the the delivery and mechanics are. But it comes without the Lincecum-esque stuff. Uh, yeah, especially the secondary stuff. You and know? Nowhere near. Well, and, I mean, and and so, Lincecum was throwing 97. I mean, this... Yes. Lincecum was amazing. And I think sometimes we forget that because he he faded a lot quicker than we might have expected. It, well, I mean, it was overnight. Two. Like, I mean, he yeah. was the best pitcher in baseball for, what, four, four or five seasons? And then all of a sudden... You know, he was Tim Lincecum, and uh, and it was, he was so awesome. He was dude. so good. It was just so much fun to watch being a Giants fan and stuff, and and really sad to watch kind of the demise of it. Um, you know, as far as Peralta goes, I, I I I sat and watched every single one of his pitches, and I just wasn't impressed by it. And it really, uh, I mean, one, I think it just was a bad day for the Rockies. Um, but I think this is one of those guys that as teams start to see him more, he's going to get figured out. Uh, he's going to get blown up, um, especially because I think the walk rate is going to be an issue for him. Uh, the one thing he has done well in the minor leagues um, over the last uh, season plus is keep the ball in the ballpark in pretty tough uh, pitching environments. Oh, that's nice. Um, and that can be key because he's going to be, mm-hmm. you know, Freddie Peralta is going to be pitching in Milwaukee, which is uh, homer friendly. Yeah. So, I mean, he, he was pitching, I want to say, in, I believe, Colorado Springs. Yes. And that's what that's part of what made this this start uh, so easy to happen because he was originally supposed to start in Colorado Springs on Sunday and they made the change last minute. His family was already going to go watch him in Colorado Springs. So they just made the drive over and bada bing, bada boom, 13 strikeouts later, a scintillating debut for, uh, yeah. for Freddie. And Colorado Springs is one of those launching pads in the PCL. Oh, yeah. So like it. Like for people who don't know, it's yeah. I mean, it's just like Coors in terms of. I think the they're losing AAA soon. I think this might be the last year, and yeah. then because the environment is so wild that nobody wants to have their their finished prospects, uh, or you know, they're they're no. almost at the doorstep I, prospects. They're getting their brains beaten in. Yeah, I mean, it's you know one of the reasons why you know we've we've seen all these awful numbers from uh from Rockies prospects cuz they had Colorado Springs before they yep. did the whole shuffle around um so i mean i think there are things to be encouraged obviously i mean you know you can't walk away from a 13 strikeout performance in the major leagues and not be somewhat encouraged uh but i think people are looking at this start and going oh this guy's going to be a stud I don't think he is going to be one. I think, like you said, I think a four ERA is kind of what we're looking at. If in maybe that could be actually the ceiling. Uh, I think the walks, like I said, are going to be an issue. That being said, the Brewers' rotation is absolutely atrocious, and there is no reason for them to take him out of the rotation if he can be serviceable. So I think in deeper formats, if you invest him in Fab. Uh, already, then you just hold on to him and ride him out. In shallower formats, there's no better time to sell than the present. Um, and if I can get a top 50 starter or like a top 40 outfielder or something like that, mm-hmm. 
Like I'm doing that right away. No, I, I, I think that that's completely fair. You know, the interesting factor with him pitching on Sunday is that Freddie Peralta actually was not available in NFBC leagues because they have to be in baseball for a day to get added to the player pool. And obviously moves are on Sundays. So he's going to get this start this week and then be up for bid. So I think that's going to be really interesting. Of course, if he goes out and strikes out a bunch of guys again uh, in his start this week, then Freddie Peralta is going to be somebody that people are going to be putting high dollars on and could get a little you know, could get a little hairy there. And if they make a mistake, you know, I could see people making mistakes is what I'm trying to say. If he goes out and strikes out, you know, another 10 twins um, Saturday too, it's right before the the deadline on Sunday. That'll be interesting. I, I'm still not sure where I want to go as far as a bid. I watched the Sunday start. It was, it was nice. There was impressive stuff, but uh, I definitely want to see this one in, in Minnesota against another uh, up-and-comer, Fernando Romero, who's been, who's been pitching very yeah, well. And I would prefer Romero, oh for sure, considerably over him. You know, for me, the big the big telling sign is going to be like how many walks does he give up in this game against the Twins? The Twins are a team that can be patient at times. Um, you know, they do strike out a little bit, but um, if they start being super patient uh, against him. Uh, you know, I think that's a real sign of, of what I'm talking about in terms of the walks coming home to roost. Um, like, don't forget, like, the Rockies have been awful against right-handed, right-handed pitching this year. They've been awful full stop. Yes. Like, they've just but not But especially awful. Like, I want to say bottom, they're the, they, the worst uh, team uh, WRC plus against right-handed pitching and third worst WOBA. Jeez. So, like, they've been really, really bad against right-handed pitching. And so, like, a lot of people are like, well, the Rockies, you know, they're at home and stuff. Like, that That doesn't – like, if you're not making good contact at all, and that's virtually what they didn't do, like, they could not pick him up. No, they couldn't um, see it. They could not see the ball. And it just – it was – I mean, Bud Black was just furious after the game. I mean – Which, which like, you understand, but – Yeah, um, a guy who's getting a surprise spot start and you can't do anything against him. Yeah, they, they can hit lefties, but they cannot do – anything against righties so freddie peralta uh, a lot of a lot of you probably already had to go through the bidding process but those of you that are in a similar situation like nfbc or in nfbc itself you'll get that start this weekend and i really think that that's going to be key in deciding where these bids should go because if he comes back down to earth you might be able to get a get a chance to get him at a fair price otherwise i think i think it could be i'd be priced out i think if you go if he beasts uh, against minnesota I just I don't know. If, um, partly I would be more encouraged, but at the same time I just don't think he's some game changer right now. So uh, let's wrap up with Julio Tehran, who's pitching quite well. A lot of things going well for Atlanta, but uh, Julio Tehran just kind of quietly doing well. Had a 10-12 ERA in his first two starts. I'm sure a lot of folks are like, "Well, here we go again with Tehran," um, and it's not going to go well. And of course, both were at home where he's really had struggles. And now over his last, uh, what is it, seven starts, only two of those have been at home, but he's been excellent in both. So I will I will give him some love there, one run in 13 innings, but the whole run, seven starts of a 220 ERA and 41 innings. Julio Tehran, what are we thinking here? Is he back to an all-formats quality starter or what? No. He's atrocious on the road. The home road splits are, are just god-awful. Wait, 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 he's atrocious on the road? Oh, I'm sorry, he's atrocious at home. I apologize. Yeah, at home. I apologize. Uh, 429 ERA uh, at home, uh, 289 on the road. 
uh, his uh, interesting stats that I and it's been updated since then, and so it, it's come down a little bit. Uh, that I noticed because uh, I, I, we talked about him again on the FWFB pod. I'm just dropping plugs for myself all over this podcast. I love it. Uh, you're, you're back. You got to get back in the consciousness. Yeah, right. Um, uh, but it was a good episode. Alex Fast was a really, really good guest. Uh, he's awesome. Yeah, he was really, really good. I really liked him a lot. Um, but uh, uh, he, with men on base, um, coming into the last night's game, he had like a 35% infield fly ball percentage. Whoa. Which like is one of those things where it's like, okay, then you go look at his, you know his strand rate is eighty three point three percent, you know his home run rate uh, is sky high. Gave up another two home runs last night, and that was on the road. Um, like there is regression what was coming. The, what was the number on those infield? Uh, I think it's now at twenty five percent with men on base, but coming into the last night, it was uh, it was like thirty five percent. Is he throwing any pitches differently? No, I think he's just in those counts, or no, just kind of. He's, he's just getting. He just was getting lucky. Um, I think, and uh, you know, I, this is a guy that struggles against lefties, struggles at home because that short porch. You know, that field was built for Freddie Freeman and by someone who hates Julio Tehran. <laughs> Seriously, because he's already struggled with lefties, and, and then they now, made a lefty yeah, now, favorable home ballpark. Yeah, I mean he's he's walking almost four batters per nine uh, right now. Um, Two twenty four, Babip overall for Tehran. Like you said, the one five homer per nine, same as last year. That's what has me concerned about this more than anything else. And 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 the fact that he's even maintained an eighty three percent left on base rate despite all the homers. Is, is particularly impressive because usually that's been his problem is a couple things go sideways, a walk and a base hit, but then it turns into a three-run homer. And that's why homers are so scary. They can change the ERA so fast. Yeah, and you look at the, the FIP and the ex-FIP uh, over a run higher, run and a half almost. Uh, same with Sierra over his ERA. Uh, like this is this – this is the same old Julio Tehran. Like, if you're in a league where you can afford to only start him on the road, but then you've got to avoid bad. There are bad parks in the NL that you're going to have to avoid, like you know Coors and Miller Park, Great America Ballpark. So that's like then now you're looking at a player you can only start a third of the time. Like, who can roster a guy like that? It's difficult. Let's talk about some potential trade options here uh, for Julio Tehran. Would you trade him? I mean, I feel like you're going to say yes to anything I say. So let's start Probably. silly. Would you get Cole Calhoun in his two WRC plus two? No. He has a two. I mean, great play last night to double off. Sick defender. Yeah. Undoubtedly. But, but no, I'm not. Like, there's no upside to Cole Calhoun. Like, I, how is he still an everyday player? You just said it. The defense. Still, that's that's it's a hundred percent the defense. Um, okay, what about Lewis Brinson? He's been brutal. Might no, get sent down. I don't, I don't think. I don't think. I All would. right, let's let's escalate a little bit here. Let's get some guys that have more of a pulse, but still struggling. What about Scott Kingery? Would you buy low on Scott Kingery for Julio Tehran? Hmm, that's an interesting one because I love Kingery. Uh, but he's been brutal. Um, the question is, has he gotten any better since I was on vacation? And if that's the, the case, question is, 
are they going to send him down? Or since yeah. he has the contract, they're going to say, you know what, let's, let, we'll let you grind this out. But they're pretty decent, too. They can't, you know, they're not they in a position to just kiss away at bats. But they can keep him on the bench as like a super util guy until That's he kind of turns things around. Because the beauty of Scott Kingery is what they've shown is like he can play anywhere. Like he's what played five different positions already this year. Speaking of, what about Marwin Kingery or Marwin? And then would you trade either? Your, your, I'll would take you trade either? Marwin for ter- and yes, I would totally take Marwin for Julio Teron. Okay. Okay. Um, one more here. Let me get guy that's. Playing better, but wasn't a high pick. Let me find somebody here. Do do do. Okay, how about? Well, you would definitely say yes to that. So I don't even want to do that one. I was gonna say uh, Michael Franco, but everyone yeah. would do that. Okay, what about uh, Brian Anderson out for yeah. the Marlins? He's been he's been doing some some decent stuff. I actually, yeah, I would take Anderson. So you are so out on Tehran. And I, I don't think I can really uh, disagree much, though, to be honest. Like, uh, looking at these numbers, I, I actually don't have um, Tehran as somebody that is, like, a must-start. So I, I, I totally get it. I mean, Anderson is one of those guys that, like, he doesn't have, like, a flashy tool, but he does a little bit of everything. Uh, in most leagues, I believe he's outfield and third base eligible mm-hmm. um you even know, got a couple steals lately yeah a little pop little speed uh any walks like he's gonna get on base and in the on the marlins he's gonna play like they're gonna figure out a way to get him in the lineup oh there's no basis exactly so it's you know give me an everyday guy versus a guy who i'm going to be able to start a third of the time all right, so Tehran looks like a, a, a full sell. You're not again. You're not going to go host somebody. I don't think anyone's being fooled into thinking that he's some different player. But there if will somebody be needs people who buy thing. back in, though. There are going to be people. Yeah, yeah. The people are going to go. Something. Yeah, there are going to be people who who look at Tehran and go, "Okay, we're getting back what we thought we had from him two years ago before they built SunTrust." You know, go out and maybe look at Cozart. He's at 235 mm-hmm. with five homers. It hasn't been great, um, but I think he's going to be better. So see if somebody wants to do something like that. But if you have your pitching kind of locked and he's been a luxury for you, Tehran with a 349 ERA and a 116 whip, take your 49 quality innings and and bank it and then and then shuffle them off somewhere else. I think that that's the right uh, the, the the right advice there. I'm going to deep dive a little bit more, but I don't think there's anything that I really see that is a, a major change, especially with the homers. If the homers were down, I'd probably push back on you a lot here. Although you might not you might not be as as negative on him if the homers were down. So that's the my big concern with Tehran and why the ERA is probably going to blow up at some point. Yeah. All right, Justin, welcome back. Glad to have you back now for the uh, for the summer haul here. You're finishing up school very soon, yes? Yeah, tomorrow, last last final of the semester, and then a nice little summer break before I go right back to it. Yes, folks, he does all this stuff in the baseball market, has a full-time job, has a family, and goes to school. You're lazy, folks, all of you, myself included. <laughs> we are lazy bums in comparison to Justin Mason. Don't tell me about how hard things are that you do if you're not on Justin's level. No, seriously. This is why everybody on Twitter is like, oh, your wife's so funny. She just like, you know, she's totally like sniping at you all the time and making fun of you. No, she's just bitter because I'm never around. angry because he doesn't exist. He's busy doing everything. Mm -hmm. But you know what? 
you're providing for the family and uh and you guys are awesome so i'm glad you're back glad you had fun glad you didn't get lavaed yeah you were in hawaii when when things were yeah going we sideways. were at the we were in Kauai, which is like the farthest island away okay good. um so like we didn't even you know we weren't affected at, at all by any of that stuff hopefully i got a couple friends who live on the big island and you know it's pretty scary stuff what's going on over there oh so, yeah i had know. a friend and she yeah it was a lot closer to her than anybody would want any of that sort of mm-hmm. stuff so all right well we, we will be at, be back later this week i wanted to record twice with justin since he was back so look for us on thursday most likely as per usual so uh, i'll talk to you later justin Fair advantage to dominate your fantasy baseball league? Well, look no further and download SquadQL, the only mobile app you need to crush your friends and rivals this year. Download SquadQL for free for your Apple and Android devices. SquadQL recommends the best starting lineup each day based on your starters, bench players, and free agent pool. How does SquadQL actually do this? The app connects directly with your Yahoo, ESPN, and CBS leagues, pulling in your actual roster, your league's scoring system. The app also provides waiver wire recommendations, daily updates to player rankings, and much more. Head to the Apple app or Google Play stores to download SquadQL, your all-in-one fantasy baseball manager. SquadQL is brought to you by the creators of RotoQL, the leading daily fantasy Lineup optimizer trusted by over 100,000 DFS players. You can also download RotoQL for free for both Apple and Android.